And I love it. I was nervous. I was a road PA. I loved being a road PA. Hello and welcome to Shop Talk, where we talk all things Scottsdale Police and answer your questions. Now here are your hosts, Chief Jeff Walther and Sergeant Kevin Kwan. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest Shop Talk. I'm Chief Jeff Walther of the Scottsdale Police Department. I'm happy to be with you on Kevin, what is our 10th episode. Yeah, it's great. 10th episode. Wow, I can't believe we've been doing this for 10 months. And six listeners still. <laughs> That's right. We've increased. We used to have five. Now we got one more. Oh, stop. It's, you know, it's, I actually have been getting a lot of great feedback from some of our folks and some folks, some folks outside uh, the PD who listen to, the, to us on a regular basis and a lot going on with the PD, a lot of changes, a lot of discussions of deployment and, and um, and personnel, we're, we're, we are no different than the rest of the country that's seeing um, employee shortages on, yeah. our, on our sworn side and on our professional staff side, just like every other police department in the Valley, in the state, and in the country. For those of our listeners out there, if you have people interested in working, we welcome your applications. But without further ado, let's get into the questions from the citizenry as they came forward. I love this part of the show. Yep. Kevin, it's all you. Some of the citizens really want to know kind of best practices or, or tips and, and techniques that you can maybe give them to be safer. And, and one of them that was mainly talked about was what should somebody do when they're pulled over on a traffic stop? Because there's a lot of stories right. of what your dad told you, or your mom told you and growing up and what your friends told you. But what is kind of the safest and best way of what they should do? Yeah, this is actually a great question. Um, I, I was funny. I was I was traveling on the 101 headed south uh, to come back to headquarters. I was up in the up in the Violinda district and I saw one of my motors on the freeway, middle middle lanes on the on the 101 southbound getting ready to make a, a traffic stop, clearly a traffic stop. And I think it was for somebody being on their cell phone. So they lit them up. And what we want to see our citizenry do is immediately pull to the right. To the right. And the citizen didn't do that. No matter how, no matter the flailing of the arms of the, uh, the, the motor officer, this person pulled all the way to the left and, and pulled over on the, on the shoulder, which is the most dangerous place. Yeah. Uh, to, to pull over. So first and foremost, a uh, reminder to our citizenry that uh, you have to pull to the right. Pull with, to the right. With emergency lights. Not, Absolutely. Not just us, Absolutely. but with fire as well. Right. When you see emergency lights behind you, pull to the right. Get out of the out of the way of emergency vehicles or if you're being pulled over, that, that pulls you as far off uh, the roadway as possible, be it on the freeway or be it on our residential side street or side streets, pull over to the right. Yeah. Give that officer an opportunity um, to safely exit their vehicle and come up to your come up to your vehicle, it protects you. It protects them. Uh, I've seen a lot of rear end collisions uh, before with people who are pulled over and who didn't pull over far enough. And so, first and foremost, uh, get off the roadway uh, if you can turn into a parking lot or if you know that's within a close proximity. Don't drive for a long distance yep. to pull into a parking lot. But if you have a parking lot in close proximity or a side street that you can turn off of, turn onto to, to get off the major thoroughfare, um, do that. Number two, if it's at night, feel free to turn a dome light on. Yes, um, absolutely. That, that illuminates the inside of the vehicle um, and allows the officer to be able to see, do you have other passengers, what, what's going on inside the vehicle. Um, obviously, that's for nighttime traffic stops. Um, put your hands on the steering wheel. That, that officer, you got to remember, Officers don't know that you're a wonderful citizen. They just start pulling you over for a traffic stop. 
And I hear the word in our profession, we hear a lot about routine traffic stops. I hate that word. There's no such thing as a routine traffic yep. stop. Yep. Uh, and so it really puts the officer in a position um, where they see your hands on the steering wheel. They might see a light, you know, your dome light on at night or interior lights. You've pulled as far off the road as possible to create a safety and a buffer zone and uh, and then roll down your window. Yeah. So that puts the officer in a position of, oh, this person understands. They they want uh, as safe of an encounter as possible and uh, they want a good two-way communication. So, and remember, know where your know where your documents are. Right, right. You know your your driver's license, your registration, and your proof of insurance. Have have an idea of where your documents are, so that you can produce them upon request for the officer. So, so what would be the purpose? I mean, I I know from what I'm looking for, but when someone's digging around in a glove box for a police officer's perspective, that's yeah. kind of why you're stating that yeah. it's. The unknown. Sure. As soon as that glove box comes open or you reach for that glove box, um, let the officer know my documents are in my glove box. I'm going to open it or they're my center console. I like those little holders that go above, yeah. you know, the uh, on the visor. The visor. Yeah. Those are great too. Uh, but just remember that, you know, officers are trained to um, watch for furtive movement or sudden movement. And so if you start reaching toward your glove box, there's going to be a little bit more focus of that officer to see what you're going to reach into, center console, glove box, any of the many, many compartments now in modern vehicles. So um, just keep that in mind, but have your stuff ready and available. And this happens to me all the time, um, so that's why I've gone to a more electronic version. But those of you who are keeping printed out or paper copies of your um, insurance, your, your automobile insurance, I let that I've let that lapse and pass. Oh, this one's six months old. This one's a year old. That's why I've gone to an electronic version on my phone now. Uh, but make sure that those those documents are up to date. Yep, perfect. Um, and then any anything that you think about as far as um, other safety aspects of a traffic stop, like I know that depending on the situation, especially on a freeway, even if it's pulled over to the right of the freeway, I've done many traffic stops on the freeway and it terrifies me. Yeah, yeah. The speeds are so incredibly fast yeah. that I may not go on the interior lane that, that is in the roadway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you might come out, you might approach from the passenger side of the vehicle. Right. Yeah. And it's not to scare yeah. anybody. It's really, we look out for our safety as well as the citizens absolutely. to make sure everyone's yeah, safe. Absolutely. So. I think, I think uh, depending on the roadway and the speed of that roadway, uh, passenger side approach is often utilized by, you see it a lot with DPS, yeah. Department of Public Safety, but our folks also will use it depending on the roadway that they're on. Right. So uh, be, be ready for that. And the, the, the final thing is that, you know, we've talked about in past episodes that we have, um, there's a bit of a, a lack of civil discourse going on in our society right now. And we certainly see it in, in some of our interactions um, between us and, and motorists who've committed infractions, uh, driving infractions. All of us have done it. Yep. Um, so please be, the, the officer's goal is to be courteous. Um, and we want to know if they're not, obviously. Uh, but uh, let's have some let's have some you know positive interaction. Let's have civil discourse with one another. Uh, often the officer will ask, you know, do you know why I stopped you? Right. And a lot of people say, I have no idea. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, typically, you know, if you've run a red light or you run a stop sign or you're you're you know you're you're doing a 65 and a 45, you probably have some some reasonable idea of why the officer stopped you. So 
um, just a courteous, courteous uh, exchange. Um, my expectation for my folks is to be uh, very professional, very courteous in a traffic stop. And uh, we certainly want to know if they're not. Um, but uh, we hope the same from you. Right. So staying along the same lines about traffic, because we do get a lot of traffic complaints in uh, various parts throughout the city. Very much so. Um, What is the best phone number to call for any ongoing traffic problems? Or if someone just wants to let us know about a a area that is a high traffic complaint. You're welcome to call us on our, on our hotline. It's uh, 480-312-CARS or 480-312-2277 is very specific tip line uh, for traffic complaints in the city of Scottsdale. And that's monitored by my traffic enforcement section. And so we can get that information out right away. One of the biggest complaints in Scottsdale that we receive in Scottsdale PD is related to traffic. Yep. Um, and all over, be it, uh, be it far north, if you get north of the 101, we hear regularly that Scottsdale Road and Pima Road are like, are like speedways which is why you're now seeing, for those listening, which is why you're now seeing um, a lot of photo enforcement along those roadways, and the speeds are ludicrous. The other thing that I know you've talked about uh, in the past is we don't control and or determine speed limits where stop signs go, where lights are placed. We just enforce the laws that are there. So. Who do they contact or is there a specific person that they can contact related to that if they see that, man, this is just really, really egregious? Yeah, so they can call us. They can provide information to us if they see something that is at what they believe is absolutely unsafe on the roadway. But you're right. Placement of speed limit signs or the or the speed limits, um, that's all done by traffic engineering. So our traffic engineers and on roadways uh, determine the best possible speed, lane width, um, all of those things, all of those conditions um, in the city. And then we're, we obviously enforce um, those state statutes related to what we call Arizona Revised Statutes, Title 28, which is traffic code. Yeah. We enforce those statutes, the speeding, the you know left turn at an intersection, you know, failure to yield, all of these different things. So a little different course with the NFL draft that just occurred a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a lot of buzz about the Cardinals and some of the moves that they made coming up. So, I mean, being a Cardinals fan, we hope that they would, you know, pull a Tampa Bay Buccaneers and go to the Super Bowl in our own city. Yeah, and that'd be great. That's coming not next year. That'd be great. Uh, not not commenting, but yes. Um, <laughs> I would love it. It would be fantastic. Love uh, the Cardinals. I wish Larry Fitzgerald was still playing, but what are we doing? What is this, the, the city, oh, what is boy. the department doing to prep for Super Bowl and everything that happens? Well, that's a loaded question. There's a lot to unpack there, Kevin. This is the fourth Super Bowl that I'll have been with the Scottsdale Police Department. The first one, I think, was in 1996. I was young. Was that but, one at Tempe I was a young, Stadium? Pa- I was a young patrol officer uh, that time. And so, I, you know, I've been here in, in uh, for all four in different capacities. And the last one in 2015... I was the uh, assistant chief, the bureau chief over patrol and uh, special operations, which then had me as the area command for that. Because as many of our listeners will know, with the Super Bowl coming, it just happens to be on the same weekend. Weekend with the WM uh, Phoenix Open, uh, that same week as all the Super Bowl revelry 
and then the final day uh, the final round of the open is Super Bowl Sunday yeah as you can imagine um, we tend to take on the brunt of activity in yep. the city now now mind you the game will be over in, in Glendale the focal point of law enforcement over there Department of Public Safety Glendale PD will be for the stadium but between there and here um, there's going to be a lot of sanctioned and unsanctioned events NFL sanctioned and un- NFL unsanctioned events um, in the city of Phoenix and a lot in the city of Scottsdale yep. so we're going to be very busy uh, we already take a very much an all hands on deck approach during the open last year we again go figure we broke another record at just over a million people and uh and it's such an exciting event and yeah what a week that's going to be for us is because it's going to start with the open and they're going to have the concert again that they they rolled out this year and uh, and then we'll roll at the beginning on that saturday and then we'll roll right into the open that week but that will also have parties and events uh all related to the super bowl in Old Town Scottsdale, uh, there's a lot of activations planned for the the downtown area, the Civic Center area. So it's going to be very busy. So in terms of the question about planning, yep. um, we are already well into the planning phase um, with our city partners, with our law enforcement partners, both locally and federally, on, on making sure that uh, it's really about hazard mitigation. And so we spent a lot of time already in conversation. There are already working groups for every area you can imagine. Including fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So obviously fire is a, you know, our biggest partner in the city when it comes to public safety and major special events. Right. Uh, couldn't ask for a better relationship with uh, Chief Tom Shannon and his crew. Um, all the all the staff and that Scottsdale Fire, amazing people. And so I'm glad, to, glad that we have such a, a good working relationship with them. But um, we're going to tap into a lot of our our partners. You know, the Department of Public Safety is our big partner at the WN Phoenix Open. You know, there the the event has grown so large that Scottsdale PD, you know, on its own, a large police department still. It's you're going to have a million people there. Right. We still have to provide police services in the city, all the parties in in the downtown or the entertainment district area. So we're really making sure that we connect with some of our regular partners for bike units and and other support staff uh, from our partners in Mesa and Tempe and Chandler and and uh, and Paradise Valley from Phoenix. Well, Phoenix will be doing kind of doing their own thing because they'll be just they'll be as busier, busier. Right. Uh, but really tap into uh, our local partnerships. In fact, we'll be reaching out to some of our West Valley agencies as well to help us with staffing issues related to all of our parties, all of our events, the open Super Bowl activities. It's going to be a, a pretty crazy time in Scottsdale. Uh, typically, what do you, I mean, I've worked, uh, this will be my third. So what do you see from a population increase as far as people that come in just for the Super Bowl? Because I, I, there was a few years where the open wasn't on the same time as the Super Bowl. Right, right. So now that it's the same exact period, what what type of increase are you seeing? It's pretty significant. You know, they've always been big crowds, but now how we have things kind of back to back, you know, Barrett Jackson auto auction um, is just prior to the open. And then you have it also in that same time as the Parada right. and uh, and now Super Bowl mixed into that. So we've, we've dealt with that in the past. But it, what it does is it just really solidifies a large number that come that uh, people that come into Scottsdale because they can say, hey, you know what, I can, I can go to the open, 
And then I can also participate in Super Bowl activities yep. that are in Scottsdale and parties and get-togethers. And so um, that really um, drives our, our occupancy numbers through the roof at our, our hotels and our uh, VRBOs and Airbnbs are all booked and through the roof. And so um, I know we'll, we'll probably talk about that sometime and sometime in the future, but we'll be, we'll be booked. And then we have so much, so much of a vibrant nightlife down in, in, in the entertainment district, yeah. the place will be packed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely packed. And that's great for, for the revenue, for the city, for the exposure. I mean, it it's is. just it's, such a cool event. It is. It's always great. And I love the vibrancy of the downtown. Um, it's always my plug though, to get an Uber, get some type of uh, yep. ride share, uh, Uber or Lyft or some, some ride share, get a friend to drive, has de- have a designated driver, be responsible. Don't fight. Let's, let's have a good time. Just have let's fun. Have right. Time. Yep. So you mentioned it uh, just about the the short term rentals. Okay. Uh, the council uh, had a task force last year, mm-hmm. which we were a part of. Which we were a part of, uh, as well as other members of the community and and whatnot. Um, what came out of that, as far as the police department, and I, <laughs> what is the kind of not fix but what changed when we talk about i think sometimes people want to know what when you talk about short-term rentals what does that mean and we mentioned in the in the previous question you know the vacation rentals by by owners or airbnbs those those very short term um, that differentiate from you signing a six or 12 or 18 month lease right those differentiate uh, one another and the short-term rentals really um uh, the issue that we have found in the city, although it brings in some amazing people uh, and adds to that vibrancy in the city, what we found is that people uh, leave their homes or want to sell their homes. We're getting a lot of investment folks, uh, investment companies companies coming in and buying single-family residential homes um, or condos or even what used to be apartments and now have transitioned to condos or patio homes. They're being bought up at a pretty pretty accelerated rate. Right. And they're being turned into short-term rentals. And while that's great, it adds to that vibrancy, there's a there's a dark side to that. And sometimes that dark side is um, those short-term rentals where there are a lot of big parties. Right. Or, uh, or you'll find some that'll have promoters and are selling tickets, which right. are all violations um, of the law. And so... Um, you know, you can't have major events and sell tickets. You know, you and your family can go to a VRBO and and uh, and be part of the local community. But some of these other things really needed to be addressed, and that's why the short-term rental task force was put together, made up of of code enforcement and the PD and uh, two of our council members and and uh, a number of people are you know our our um, city attorney's office and a number of people in the city stakeholders. Uh, both internal to the city and external to the city to really give our citizenry a voice um, in that short-term rental task force. And a number of things, important things were that came out of that. So um, not to restrict, because you can't really place too many laws that on short-term rentals because the, the law looks at short-term rentals and long-term rentals very similarly. Right, and so, right. so I know that there's a lot of, a lot going on as of this recording, there's a lot still going on in the state legislature related to uh, short-term rentals in, in Arizona, but essentially all we really want to do on the, on the city side and certainly on the PD side is to make sure that people who are coming to those are having a good time, that they're not um, disturbing the peace of a neighborhood that the, that short-term rental might be in the middle of. Right. 
Uh, they remember there are people and families and residents who live in that area uh, that while hey, they you know welcome, have a good time and, and, and enjoy the downtown or enjoy Scottsdale and the golf and the amenities and the attractions. Um, uh, so one of the things that came out of that was funding for what we're calling the short-term rental squad. In the organization, I know there are a number of people that want to call it the nuisance party squad, yep. but it really what it is, it's a short-term rental squad. And we get what we wind up receiving typically on weekends and long weekends is a significant number of calls for service to the police department for disturbances, loud parties, fights, et cetera, um, at some of the short-term rentals that have uh, have been rented out for larger events uh, and, and so um, and and some not so larger events and so we wind up going to a lot of these calls that's a, a real drain resource drain yes. on the police department so we're going to create an entire squad actually it's just four four officers and a sergeant that will primarily respond and deal with issues related to short-term rentals people would say wow it's that big of a deal it is it is right um and so the the you know the level of of uh, fighting or violence the, the number of parties how it's negatively impacting a neighborhood um, there is a squad you know it's there is a squad's worth of uh, activity that yeah. we need to deal with now I, will, I do think that after a period of time we'll rein that in a little bit and people get used to a short term rental squad being out there and and uh, there is a partnership with code enforcement because there are a number of code issues related to that as well uh, that we're going to make sure that. You know, your short-term rental is registered with the city. That's something else that you see not not going on very often. But we want to make sure you're registered with the city. Um, there's going to be some requirements to that. You know, if you're an owner uh, and there's a disturbance at your at your rental property, your short-term rental property, you're going to be required to either have yourself or a representative respond um, to that disturbance when the police get called within an hour. Yep. And so um, that's really to bring some accountability to the owners and the management companies of these short-term rentals where we're having a number of problems. Now, mind you, for our listeners out there, not all of these are bad operators. Not all, we don't have, you know, problems at all short-term rentals. Um, but we do have a lot of repeat offenders, uh, in the, in our short-term rental uh, community. And so those are the ones we want to address. We want want to make sure that everybody's, yeah, Hey, come here, have a great time. But remember that most short-term rentals are within you know, the residential community. And yeah, just, I like to say that your rights end where the next person's rights begin and, uh, and Hey, have a great time. But when you're, it's two or three o'clock in the morning and little kids in the house next door are trying to sleep. Um, you know, it's probably not, it's not a great idea. You're not being a great visitor to the community. Um, if you're disturbing an entire neighborhood. Now you mentioned an hour, uh, to respond and, and that's not something new that is we've dealt with like it, uh, out on a whim, you have 30 minutes to respond to an alarm, uh, right, a business right, alarm right. or a residential alarm type of thing. And there is already legislation within the city for the repeat offenders of false sure. alarms and false sure. alarms and false alarms. And there's so do- there's dollars associated with that and fines, right? So the whole point of this, uh, the ordinances changes and, and the, the recommendations that came out was to kind of be a deterrence. Yes. Um, we want you to come here, but you, you're right. If you wouldn't act this way in your own neighborhood, it's not okay to right. do it in right. somebody right. else's neighborhood just because you're going to be gone the next right. day. And you know what? What we're really looking for is we want people to come here and want you to have a great time, but we're looking for voluntary compliance. Right. Come have a great time, but don't 
destroy the peace of a neighborhood and and so there has to be there have to be some boundaries um, that are set that's the whole idea of, of laws and legislation is there have to be boundaries and so sometimes there are adverse consequences for those who um, are bad actors in, in, in the community. And, and one of those is if it's three o'clock in the morning and you're partying and it's crazy loud and now we, the police have been called, we're going to address the party goers and we're going to address the owners of that as well. And you have an hour to respond. And, you know, there are fines that are, that are able to be levied against, uh, owners of VRBOs who, who, um, don't follow the guidelines. We wanted to take a moment to thank you, our listeners, for sending in your questions. Keep submitting them to our social media channels at PD. Now we have a question for you. Are you looking to get started in law enforcement? Do you need a change in your current career? Visit us at scottsdalepd.com. See what opportunities we have that are open and apply today. Again, scottsdalepd.com. Now the best part of the show. Yeah. I'm going to welcome Alex Sachs. He's one of our police aides and the crime prevention police aide for the Via Linda district. Alex has a pretty a pretty cool life story. I know she's embarrassed to be here. But <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, yeah. When you're that cool and you do as many cool things as Alex does and you're, you're you know, world traveler. And I mean, yeah, I realize um, how, uh, how much under the bar you know, an achievement I am when I, when I talk to Alex. So anyway, Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, my, my real name is Alessandra. Only my mom and Jill from HR call me that. Um, but uh, I've been with uh, Scottsdale PD for almost four years since September. Um, I love it. Probably one of the best jobs I ever had. That's good to hear. And um, I'm so excited to be here to talk to you guys a little bit about what well, we're doing. Uh, we're going to pull a lot out. You know, we're going to get a lot of information out. Uh, Kevin, why don't you start? Just a little bit about your past. Where do you come from? How did you come to us at Scottsdale? And it's probably super loaded as far as like your full background, but kind of give us a little bit of it. So coming for, to the police department was... 2015, I got into Valley Leadership, which is a premier um, leadership program in Phoenix. Um, and Valley Leadership is kind of constructed where each week you learn something about Arizona. So week seven, we learned about policing in Phoenix. So we were actually at um, the police academy, and we had a bunch of speakers, um, very engaging, very talking about, a lot about community policing and how Phoenix uh, really was striving to have that community policing. And I was, I was loving it. I was like, this is great. Uh, happened to have a lieutenant um, in my class who I was very close to. And on break, uh, he went out. And um, so we're, we're talking a little bit and he's like, oh, do you wanna see the academy a little bit? I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool. So we're walking around the academy. I said to him, I said, you know, when I was a kid, this is living in Brazil at probably age six, um, we lived right next to a police station. And it was actually a military police station. So they were like this gray outfit with the boots. They're very fancy. Um, and I remember as a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. And uh, so I was telling him, I'm like, 
I, as a kid, wanted to be in the military police and was heartbroken when I was told that women couldn't be part of that. Uh, And this is like 1980, right? So women in Brazil couldn't be a part of that. So that dream kind of was put in the wayside. And so I'm talking to this lieutenant, and I said, oh, man. I would have loved to be a police officer. And he's like, you know, you can still be a police officer. I'm like, no, I know I look young, (laughs) but I'm in my 40s. And he's like, "Um, yeah, and? I said, well, usually it's 35. He's like, that's big cities. Here in Arizona, as long as you pass the physical, you, you can become an officer you can come to the academy you can come to this academy and I was like really so we talked a little bit more got back to the class and then it just started my head it's like could I do this job I'd I'd like to do this job so little by little I started training for it as you can see my height of uh, 411 I wasn't gonna mention that this is the podcast I can't see you (laughs) We, um, we can see you. They yeah, can't. They I like can't, that. But, you know. 411, standing on a small book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had to climb a wall. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if I could climb this wall. So I started training. And I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to train. And if I feel comfortable enough, I'm going to apply. So it took me about a year and a half to uh, get to the point that I wanted to. So just remember, Phoenix you have to go through, they kind of have, if you're 40 to 45 female, all you have to do is like 15 sit-ups. So they come to like this gradual scale. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not just gonna hit the minimum. Right. So I wanted to train and be strong. As I was going through this process, uh, I started looking at other places. So there was Phoenix, I said, this is great. So I started practicing, I would go there, they had a program that you could go in the morning and, and the recruit guy would help you be the best you could. And to be honest with you, he wasn't really a nice guy. He, he kind of looked at me like, you know, you're 4'11", really? <laughs> <laughs> and climbing the wall was difficult. And yeah. he kept saying to me, just push up, push up. And I'm like, I can't push up. Like, I'm pulling yeah. up here. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get up. So as we went, through that process, I changed jobs. So from the nonprofit I was working for, I went back to the Jewish Community Center, which uh, I worked for for 11 years. They asked me to come back um, to revamp their their youth program. And I met uh, Jimmy Watson. He was security director. Yeah. And I started talking to him about like, yeah, I'm really wanting to, to apply and thinking of applying to Phoenix because of the lieutenant that, that I met. And he looked at me and he's like, Phoenix? Why not Scottsdale? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, because Scottsdale never has like openings. He's like, we're gonna start having openings. Um, and then he introduced me to, you know, Anthony Wells um, and a lot of other people in the J that were working security or just working their off-duty jobs. And I just fell in love with the people, hmm. like. I was like, if this is actually how Scottsdale runs their department, I really want to be a part of it. By then, I felt very comfortable 
um, attaining at the entrance fitness and the testing. So that's what I did. And I got in. I was super excited. I was in the academy, week four, pouring rain. We're running. And uh, I can, I, I'm visualizing it. It's, like it's like a movie. I'm like on the so edge of my great. seat. What's going to so happen great. next? And um, I got injured. Hmm. Um, and I still kept on running. And then my um, RTO was like, uh, what, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I think I heard, I heard something. She's like, let's go to the car. Just sit in the car. Um, and my ankle just swelled up. And I remember going back to the classroom and really scared because I'm like, this is, this is what I worked for. Um, and unfortunately, I was put on light duty. While on light duty, I called Sergeant Devlin and he's like, I'm like, I lost my job, huh? And he's like, what? No, no, no. Scottsdale PD will take care of you. Um, and I went to accreditation. And as I was recovering from my injury, I realized that maybe my low body at age 47, or at that time 45, was not going to heal as fast as I wanted to. But I got the opportunity to be at headquarters and to meet so many people. And I never realized that a police station had so many things going on. You always think police station, officers, the yep. sergeant, yep. you know. You don't realize what it takes to run a police department. And that's when, you know, I decided, like, even if I can't go back to the academy and be an officer, I want to stay in Scottsdale. I just felt they treated me right, you know, and they gave me opportunities where I know for a fact that people that got injured through Phoenix, that was it. Yeah. Like, you start all over again. You kind of yeah. have to figure stuff out. Um, when I decided that I wasn't, able to probably go into the police officer route. Um, I had great people telling me, here, here are some things you can do. One of them was uh, Will Hathaway, and he's like, well, you can do two things, Alex. You can be in detention, which honestly I can't see you in four walls, or you can be a police aide. And I was like, what's a police aide? He goes, it's... You do almost the same thing as a police officer, like 90% of the job, except you don't carry a gun. You don't have a lot of contact with suspects. But, you know, you're still out in the community. And I was like, hmm, that sounds fun. So I tried it, and I really enjoyed it. And four years, almost four years now, I can say this is probably the coolest job I ever had. Hmm. Bef you know, soccer was the coolest that's always going to be the coolest job. Oh, we're going to get into that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But this this definitely, I wake up every day, and I kid you not, I love what I do. Yeah. Police aides, I'll tell for the, our listeners, uh, probably one of the unsung heroes in the police department. Uh, Alex hit that nail right on the head. It's, it's so much of what officers do, the report writing, going to calls for service where a police officer is not needed, um, you know, suspect is gone already, burglary report, a, you know, a traffic collision, um, just a, an, an amazing. And our, our police aides are different. They, other agencies have police assistance. Our police aides are different. I mean, they're just really a full service uh, position in the organization. And we're actually increasing our numbers of police aides this calendar year by seven this year. So that's terrific. That's just I'm I'm just so glad that 
Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Wasson, uh, the security director at the uh, Scottsdale uh, Jewish Community Center. And uh, that's my, my plug for Jimmy is that uh, Jimmy is a retired lieutenant with Scottsdale PD and uh, and became the security director there. And so a lot of great things, I think, that, you know, you headed down that path, met up with some great people who uh, who worked for Scottsdale PD. You mentioned Anthony Wells, uh, Officer Anthony Wells, one of our canine officers. And uh, I'm just glad that we were able to steal you away from from Phoenix. So you mentioned briefly, Alex, about uh, being six years old in Brazil and living next to a police station. So that cat's out of the bag. You're from Brazil. Um, Tell us how you got here. So um, to get there, I went to high school in Paris. Uh, when I graduated from what high a life. school, Brazil, that's not Paris. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I went to the American School of Paris. Go Rebels! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my dad decided to retire. Um, he made enough money um, that he, at forty six, he's like, I'm done. Um, and we had two options, my sister and I. We could go back to the United States and go to college, or go to Brazil and go to college. And my sister got into Sarah Lawrence, and my dad looked What's at that? Sarah Lawrence University. Oh, so that's pretty. That sounds very hoity-toity and yeah, expensive. Yeah, it's from the East Coast. It's an all-girls school. Okay. And my dad's like looked and said, "I'm not paying twenty-five thousand dollars a year for you to go." <laughs> and at that time, Sarah Lawrence was one of the most expensive schools. This is 1992, and so my dad's like, "Nope, you two, we're going back to Brazil. <laughs> you guys can go there for free." university is free and uh, that's where we're headed so we headed back to Brazil um, and I went one year to medical school decided that I wasn't too happy um, and a friend of mine at medical school goes hey they're doing some tryouts for women's soccer um, Brazil was trying now this is 19 early 90s they were trying to get women's sports going in Brazil. They always had it, but not in soccer. It was still very machismo attitude. You had some of the greatest male soccer players right, of right. all time. Yes. So, right. yes. I mean. so I tried out. Everyone made a team. So the major soccer clubs all had a women's team. We're building a women's team. So then I went to my dad and I said, hey, um, I am going to just lock my my space in medical school, because you can do that for one year in Brazil. And uh, I'm going to try this out. And my dad goes, wait, what? You're going to play soccer? What are my friends going to think? You're leaving. Oh. Yeah, I'm le- hey, Dad, I'm leaving medical school to go kick a ball around. <laughs> yeah. And that year became two years, then three. And then my dad's like, uh, what are you going to do? And I said, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to um, go to college. But maybe physical education. So I went to physical education. I went to one of the top physical education schools in Brazil, which a lot of professional athletes went because they kind of worked on your schedule. So you could go to national games and South American games. I did that. And then I think my th- I was in my third year and my parents came to me and go, hey, we're moving to Arizona. And I'm like, why? They're like, ah, oh, we liked it. It's really nice. It's, you know, different. Do you want to come with us? And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they left, and I finished college and decided to go directly to my master's, and I did sports psychology, 
with one of the top sports psychologists in Brazil. And my master thesis was published in the World Conference, which that year um, was in Greece. So I headed off to Greece um, to present my um, master thesis. And I met Darren Treasure from Arizona State University. And she's like, hey, you know, um, we'd love to have you. Um, we have a really good um, program here in Arizona if you're interested. So I was like, you know, might as well. I've been in Brazil. I kind of miss my family. I had visiting uh, Arizona, and I'm like, well, it's pretty cool, <laughs> right? It's different, different from growing up in the East Coast. Um, and headed over here um, in 2001, August 2001. Um, and got into ASU, did my a little bit of sports psychology PhD. Darren Treasure left, and then I headed down to uh, San Diego to, to do it there uh, in the San Diego Interactive Institute of Sports Psychology. So that's how I got to, to Arizona. Did we skip over any parts here? Like Yeah. Like isn't soccer there, isn't, career isn't there like an isn't there like an Olympic medal involved oh, yes. in here? Oh yes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, sorry. Wait, let me sorry. Talk between about that uh, my master's, my PhD, and the French French high school and the tra- <laughs> and the world travels and uh, come on. So. <laughs> so I. Quan is such a loser. I mean, look at his look at his life, right? Man. <laughs> me and Quan are looking at each other. I, like, I was just a punter, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's I'm right. just a police chief. I I don't feel even <laughs> like I shouldn't even be in the same room as you. I'm an underachiever. So yes, I was in the national team for for 11 years. Um, 96, I didn't make the Olympic team. Um, 2000, I didn't make the Olympic team. 2000 and Two to three, I was living here. I worked at the JCC. I actually worked at King David. I was a PE teacher through the JCC. And I was invited to try and see if I could make the Olympic team in 2004. So I was a bench warmer, but I also worked on my uh, sports psychology because that's what I but wanted. But you made it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah but yeah. the greatest part of what the listeners don't know is what position did you play? Well, because of my amazing height <laughs> at 4'11", I was a goalie. <laughs> right. How? You, you've so got to explain this. I'm because, so confused now. Right. 4'11", goalie. Right. So here's the thing. I like challenges, right? And as a kid, I loved playing goalie. So I still wanted to play goalie. Back in the day, women's soccer was less aerial than it is today, right? It was more of a ground game. So I really p- practiced by knowing who played. Ag- I was playing against. So if I knew someone was coming from the right, I knew that they probably, 90% of the time watching film, they're going to kick to, let's say, the left corner. So I would position myself through there. So that's in you know. You're the early analytic nerd people that now run sports yeah, you're yes. doing it moneyball from the goalie's right. perspective yes. which is so incredible to think about with yes. no video cameras and replay and i mean you, you had a little bit of it but that is that's what drives sports now is those yeah, yeah. specific analytics and you got an olympic medal yes i what, did what'd you get a silver it's the coolest thing i've that's seen cool. in person yeah. yeah it's and it's you know it was a great time for mm-hmm. women's sports in brazil 
We really worked to to get soccer, women's soccer, in a position, respected position. And we had Marta. Marta was just a young a youngling mm -hmm. um, in that team. And today she's uh, the Pele of women's soccer. So it was a great time. Uh, I retired in 2007 at the Pan American Games in Rio, uh, where we won a gold medal. And I played one, just one game, first round. We played against Ecuador, and we beat them 11-0. But you played. Oh, my God. That is and, so cool. And I never saw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that just means you're a phenomenal defense. They didn't yeah. want to come in here. Look at yeah. you, have a, you, have, you have a perfect record. Please protect me. <laughs> yeah, you recorded a shutout. That's yeah. totally per fine. Perfect record. <laughs> yep. That is, that's so cool. So, Talk to us, our, us and our, our listeners about uh, about your job, and and feel free to what you do, and 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 feel free to roll in. So I, I gave you, um, you're my go-to person for, for our listeners. I want them to know you're my go-to person for um, what I wanted to really roll out in in the PD in a police athletic league, um, and so you really took on that that role and that project and mission and boy you just you just killed it can you talk about kind of what you do um as a crime prevention pa and then roll that into maybe a little bit about uh, kind of the extra projects that you've been working on sure um so as a crime prevention pa you're you're basically taking care of the district um admin wise but also making sure your officers know um what the crime trends are um really recapping things that have happened during a week, being able to talk to the community, letting them know, like, how can I be safer? How, what can I do to not be a victim? So we do a lot of presentations. Uh, one of our biggest presentations are scam presentations, really talking to people about, hey, how not to fall for, for that sure. scam, and personal safety. And... I love it. I was nervous. I was a road PA. I loved being a road PA. But crime prevention, I felt this is going to be cool because I get to work with the community yeah. way more than when I was in my car, even though I did try and reach out to businesses and make sure that all their needs were met when needed. So remember what I said. I sat down at Valley Leadership and heard about community policing. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see... How can I do that as a PA, as a crime prevention PA? Yeah. And, you know, Chief Walter and I talked a little bit about it, talked about how can we engage a group that usually is forgotten by police and only sees police in the bad end of it. Sure. Be it because their family's fighting be it because a school resource officer approached them because they did something. So I really wanted to engage the youth in a positive police presence. So with the help of my partner and a few other people, created, we call it, so PALS is the Police mm -hmm. Athletics League, but we created what we call the Police Activities League because that branches out a sure. lot of things that we want to do for Scottsdale. We had the opportunity to go to the Boys and Girls Club and create a dodgeball league for six weeks. And the purpose of that 
is to give the kids an opportunity not only to meet us and see the human side of uh-huh, policing, uh-huh. but also to give them what I feel as police officers or people in law enforcement are values. And the values we have here are what I call RISE, which is resilience, integrity, strength, and empowerment. And I wanted those kids to know that that's, that's what they need, that's what we're gonna give them every time they see us. So six weeks, we did dodgeball, um, and I wanted to open their minds to not only seeing officers, but again, because a lot of people don't know what goes, what runs a police station. Yep. They got to meet people from personnel. Uh, we had crime scene investigators. We've had all types of people come and play with these kids, uh-huh. and the kids get to ask questions. Yesterday was our last, I'm sorry I didn't invite you. I missed it. It's okay, it was my fault, I should have invited <laughs> you. Uh, it was our last dodgeball game. And right after that, I actually went to Yavapai for their barbecue, because they're opening mm-hmm. up. They are, yep. And I'm walking the hallway, and I hear, Alex, Alex, I turn around, two kids that um, were playing in our league came up to me and gave me a hug. That's so cool. And yeah. the mom is like, oh, oh, what, what's, what's going on, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 they're not in trouble. It, we were just playing dodgeball at the Boys and Girls Club. This, we played dodgeball for the past six weeks. And that's what I wanted. I want kids to see us and get excited. Even if at that time they're doing something illegal or wrong, I want them to know we're there for them. Right. And that's what we created. And that opportunity grew with having an after-school program starting in the fall with the Avapai, uh, where we're going to give kids that are fourth and fifth graders the opportunity to be leaders on the recess yard. Because your biggest conflicts in life, we all know, are in the recess recess. yard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we want to give those kids those empowerment, that strength and empowerment to really show them, hey, I I can be a leader and I can help younger kids become better humans. Because at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want good humans. Our next activity. Actually, our next activity is kickball. Yes. Um, It starts in the fall again. And we'll be doing it again with the Boys and Girls Club um, on Miller. Yeah. The Barker branch. Yep, the Barker mm-hmm. branch. Uh, so we're very excited. The kids are very excited. Good. The kids were upset that we're done with dodgeball. And they're like, what's the next thing? And I'm like, kickball. At some point, can we set it up where you're standing in the goal and they're trying to score a goal against yes. a, a national team player? From Brazil. From Brazil. Silver medalist. Which is synonymous with soccer i mean how yeah. cool is that i mean come on i, I, I wouldn't let him win I but because i'm like goal <laughs> but I, I think we could probably do a, some type of fundraiser yeah. too where yeah. we all try to score a goal against a silver medalist yeah remember i'm old now <laughs> <laughs> well I, I tell you i i i couldn't have just picked a better person to take an idea and Run with it and make it your own. You've just done an amazing job. In fact, I'd like to figure out a way that we can showcase that you know our program because it's different than other places. It really is. There's a connectivity there, 
um, that you've brought all the experience that we've had a good time talking about and making fun of you for and in various you know places around the world and the things that you bring to it that nobody else would have brought I, I really think that nobody else would have brought to it and it's just it's really been such a success for us and that's just a credit to every, you know the passion that you have for the PD um, the passion that you have for young people and the passion that you have for for connecting with young people through sports absolutely absolutely amazing and so it's something that I think that we'll showcase um, on a state level. And if I can take it beyond that, we'll, we'll, we'll showcase it on, on an even higher level. I'm looking forward to kickball. Yeah. Kickball so. is going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. We already have a sign-up of officers and um, professional staff that want to join us Fantastic. for kickball. Yeah. But I do have to recommend, sir, that you stretch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode featuring Alex Sachs from our Crime Prevention Unit. Let's finish out this episode with Sergeant Kwan and his four reels questions. All right, we're going to get into my favorite part of the show, and it's called four reels. And what four reels is, is a series of questions Great. that Chief doesn't even know because I ask you guys these questions, and I love hearing the responses. They could be really cool questions, and they could be off-the-wall questions. So just know Star Wars is better than Star Trek. So here and we he go. He loves to stump me on these because they're sometimes like, I have no idea. All right, would you rather eat snails or slugs? And escargot does not count, so don't go escargot. I said snails or slugs. Snail. With the crunch. Yeah. I like crunchy things. <laughs> Crunchy's better than all slimy. All slimy? What about you, Alex? Snails with a little garlic. <laughs> <laughs> and a little butter. And a little butter. Dirt. Just dirt on mine. That's it. If you had to look like one type of animal, what would it be? Bull elk. One type. Is that is that look like be a human being and still look like but look like an animal? Or I could be an animal? No, 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 no. You just get to look like an animal. Oh. You're not the animal. Oh, oh, oh! Wow. No, no. It, I didn't. Wow. I don't want you to be the animal because I mean, I'd be an elephant to, to squish like everybody. An, I have to look like an animal. Yeah, That's... Captain. I want Captain's hair really badly. His hair is awesome. <laughs> oh, you want to look like a like a, <laughs> a shaggy dog? <laughs> shaggy just give dog. me his awesome curly hair. I want antlers. I'm still gonna go with the bull elk. Bull elk. What about you? A lion. So like when I'm in the goalie, your yeah. main oh. just flows. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I mean, you've been to multiple places living, but where would it be? Alpine, Arizona. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Mike Drop. Mike Drop. Done. Dead. Alpine, Arizona. <laughs> the little village of Alpine, Arizona. Population less than 200 year-round residents. Population of six. What about you? Where would you live? Istanbul, Turkey. Why Ooh, Turkey? See, um, it just the history in that country is amazing, yeah. and you know you have two countries. Nowadays, it's a little bit more iffy, but back then, you you it was divided, very European in one section, you know, very Muslim in the next section. But it was just amazing food, people, culture. Um, it's advanced a lot. It, it took a lot of the modern. Um, look to it. So I just love Turkey. What TV show would you be in if you were an actor? Current, not black and white ones where I've got to listen to what the show was. And Longmire, and I could be Sheriff Longmire. It's a TV show. I'm that's guessing a, that's about a TV show. Cowboys. No, it's a sheriff's department in you know a small little place in Montana. It's kind of cool. So you just want to do your current job in a small town. <laughs> 
we are not branching out this <laughs> month. Okay, well, Alex, go ahead. And I'm going to think of a. I'm going to think of a better and smarter answer than the one that. So does it have to be current, like, or if it's still on TV? Can I recent? You can you can even do a recent one. Like I would want to be in Game of Thrones because it's the coolest show ever. Yeah. But yeah. It's not on anymore. I want to so. be a soccer player in Ted Lasso. Yes. You took mine. I was like, I, want to <laughs> I be Ted love Lasso. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is, is one of the few really good TV shows out there, you know, that's not about murder. and. I'm so angry at the end of the season, too, but uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Wait, I was going to say Ted Lasso. No, you, okay, can, you can't be the goalie. Lasso. You can be the goalie in Ted Lasso. <laughs> if you could go back in time, what part of history would you change? I wanted to. I would. I would remove the Black Plague just for the the mass amounts of people that killed it that had no idea that it was coming. But would that have offset something else? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. But just the many, many millions of people that were killed. If I could change one thing, and I'm going to go with American history here because I think there's so many problems that have manifested. There's just so much wrong related to it. It is the introduction of slavery into the into the into the colonies, mm-hmm. which ultimately became the United States. So much wrong with that on so many levels yeah. from the slave trade um, to the racism that you see based on slavery that as it came into uh, into the colonies that ultimately became the United States. Yeah, Mine would probably be the Holocaust. You know, yeah. Think of all these people yeah. today where yeah. we would be yeah. if that had never happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's impactful. Yeah, absolutely. If you won the lottery, what would you buy first? And I'm talking like Powerball lottery. None of this like I've got a $100,000 win or something like that. And always take the lump sum, by the way. But always. What would you buy? Ram 3500 Dually. <laughs> I think you're going to go computer Ram. Night, night edition with a Lance 960 truck camper, slide-in truck camper. What's, what's a night edition? It's where it blacks out. Anything that you would think of chrome, mm-hmm. it, it blacks it all out. With the camper. Sleeper Del, camper. Delmonico Red. Blacked out. Ram 3500 Dually. Laramie package. Well, you know, I won the, I won the lottery. So, so let's go with the Laramie Longhorn edition with a Lance 960 truck camper that I'd put a matching wrap on in the same kind of color. Is that like a 45-foot truck? <laughs> no, it's a, the, the camper slides into the bed. It's a oh, truck okay. camper. Oh, yeah. my God. I don't, I don't know how you make it. I don't know. People are like, think those big. those are called a motorhome. Think, think big here, Chief. Think big. No, there's other things I do, but that's one of the things I'd buy first. What would you buy? I would buy a building and recreate it and make it a, a sports complex for kids. Yeah. Like, but like, Look at that scene. I'm not going to answer because I'll be totally selfish. So. I bought something for myself and my <laughs> wife, and Alex is going to just take care of the whole community. <laughs> I suck. With all, like, <laughs> everything. Like. Call it the, the Alex Sachs building for kids. No, she'd call it something way, with way more humility to it than that. Yeah, that's what I She would, would call it the Rise Facility for Youth. Yeah, that would be awesome. Hmm, I should start playing the lottery. All right, last one. If you were stranded on a desert island by yourself, how would you ask for help? How would you try and get off the island? Now, think Survivor without the social drama but what are you going to try and do to get off the island and back to civilization i'm going to go full castaway with wilson i'm going to make a boat try to get into the shipping lanes to get picked up yeah and probably die (laughs) 
Well, if you're on an island with bamboo, I think it'll be a lot better than driftwood. Right. But. It depends on how much, you know, what's your, what's your, what are your resources like? Do you have fresh water? Do you have plenty of food? If not, then. This is a made up question. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. marry it any way you no, want. No, but your question was, how do you, how do you get off the island? How do you get help? Because I've seen, what is that, uh, back in the day one where they're stranded and they keep going to get some rip curls and then it ends up being like the other side of the island is a resort paradise you don't know. So it's one of those twists of yeah, yeah. fate. But oh, That's how I try to get off. I would go old school. Um, I'm a big cartoon fan. I would just write a little note, put it in the bottle, <laughs> and just wait for, it, wait, for wait for it to come back in 60 years. <laughs> 150 years from now, they find Alex's <laughs> right, bones. Right. Hey, we found your note. Sorry it was so late. <laughs> and hope it goes to the resort's side yeah. of the island. <laughs> it spins around. Well, perfect. So that, that wraps it up for yeah. our four reels questions. Great show. Great uh, great questions, uh, Kevin. Great questions from the citizenry. Thanks to those um, who sent them in. And Alex, uh, exactly what we were hoping for with the show. Thanks for everything that, you, that you've done. I mean, you had what an exciting life you've led up to this point for 11 or not it's irrelevant um a lot of really great stuff and thanks for all that you do for the pd for me personally and and uh, and for the you know for those young voices in our community who sometimes don't have a voice and you've really given them a voice and a, and a connection to the pd that is just second to none so thank you thanks to everybody for uh, for joining us this week and uh this month sorry and uh and we will see everybody next month be safe do great things take care of each other and remember every day offers each of us the opportunity to be more in the service of others thank you for listening to shop talk episode 10 we'd love to hear from you you can send your comments or questions to us on any of our social pages you will find us at scottsdale pd on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok we look forward to bringing you a new episode next month until then remember to be more